Thank you so much, praise team, and what a blessing for us to sit under your ministry. Week by week, we are just so very, very grateful. In the last two Sundays, we have learned two key Hebrew words from the book of Ruth that we have been studying, and these are key words in the entire Bible. Uh, One of them is the word hesed, and it refers to God's covenant faithfulness, His loyal love for the people He has redeemed. The other word we learned is ahava, and that is a reference to God's self-giving love for His people, and then their self-giving love for one another. Now today, in our final message from the book of Ruth, we learn one more word. This is the granddaddy word of them all in the book of Ruth. Hebrew is read backwards uh, for us uh, from right to left. And the word that is uh, before us this morning is the word goel. And goel means redeemer. Precisely it means kinsman redeemer. It is found in some of our translations 22 times in the book of Ruth. And here's what it always means over a hundred times in the Bible, the Old Testament, it always means payment of a price to secure release or to set someone free from a very bad situation. Now this is a very critical word because it is a title of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Isaiah for just a moment and find chapter 59 and verse 12. This verse is a prophecy of the Messiah. It is uh, uh, for us, it is um, also uh, quoted in the New Testament in Romans chapter 11 and verse 26. And I want you to read with me verse 20 of Isaiah 59. It should be verse 20 rather than verse 12. And listen to what God says about the Messiah we've been singing about. And a Redeemer, a Goel, will come to Zion to turn those in Jacob who turn from transgression declares the Lord. Jesus is the Goel. Jesus is the Redeemer. Now what that tells us then is that the book of Ruth is actually an illustration of the work of the Lord Jesus Christ as our Redeemer. Uh, One pastor wrote a book on his studies in the book of Ruth and he called it The Romance of Redemption. What a great title for this book. And so all the main characters, Naomi, Ruth, and Boaz, they are teaching us how Jesus redeems sinners. And this morning, we want to go back to this wonderful book, and we want to allow the book of Ruth to answer three questions. Number one, redemption, why do we need it? Number two, redeem, who is qualified to accomplish it? And finally, number three, redeemed, what happens when we experience it? Now, let me say to us today, if you have never been redeemed, you cannot go to heaven. For the requirement of going to heaven is that we have been redeemed. 
And so I want us all today to listen with a fourth question in mind, perhaps the most important question. Have I been redeemed? This morning, we are turning to Ruth, and we're going to see Christ as the kinsman redeemer. Christ in the book of Ruth. And I want you to take a moment to bow with me in prayer as we look at what God has for us. Blessed Lord Jesus, thank you that you are the ultimate redeemer. You are the Goel. Thank you that someday when you return, all the world will understand this and know this. And thank you right now that you, because you've already made the payment for our purchase, are in the business of buying back from very difficult circumstances men, women, and boys and girls who will put their trust in you. I pray for anyone today who has not been redeemed that today may be the day they would come to know Jesus. Bless us now as we look into your wonderful word. We'll thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's open with this first question, shall we? First one is redemption. Why do we need it? And the answer is because spiritually the Bible teaches us that we are like Ruth and Naomi. The story of Ruth and Naomi is a story of us in our natural condition. Now let's notice a few things that the Bible says about us that really paint not a very pretty picture. First of all, I want you to notice that we are aliens. Would you turn with me in the book of Ruth to Ruth chapter 2? And I want you to notice what Ruth said to Boaz as a result of his kindness to her. Ruth chapter 2 and verse 10, the Bible says, Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me since I am a foreigner? Now Ruth was amazed that Boaz would be kind to her because she was a foreigner. She was a Moabitess. Uh, Keep your finger here and turn back with me to Deuteronomy chapter 23. And I want you to notice what God said about the Moabites and their cousins, the Ammonites. Listen to what God said, verse 3 of Deuteronomy chapter 23. No Ammonite or Moabite may enter the assembly of the Lord. Even to the tenth generation, none of them may enter the assembly of the Lord forever, because they did not meet you with bread and with water on the way when you came out of Egypt, and because they hired against you Balaam, the son of Beor, from Pethor of Mesopotamia, to curse you. Now this probably refers to Moabite males, not to Moabite females. But what this tells us is what God thought about the Moabites. They were a wicked and idolatrous people. Uh, You may know that the whole nation of Moab began in an incestuous relationship between Lot and one of his daughters. And they worshipped the idol Chemosh who was an idol that demanded child sacrifice. It's interesting that Naomi here, or Ruth here, in talking to Boaz, says, why have I, a Moabitess, found favor in your eyes? The word favor there is the Old Testament word for grace. It means receiving 
what we do not deserve. The only way that Ruth could ever be accepted in Israel was God redeemed her by a pure act of grace and mercy. And that's the way you and I will only be received as well. Listen to what Ephesians 1.12 says about us. That we were separated from Christ, alienated, and without God in the world. And Colossians 1.21 says about us, we were alienated and hostile in mind doing evil deeds. That is every single one of us. Every one of us. We were aliens. Notice secondly in this picture that we see is we were empty. We were empty. Uh, Drop back to chapter 1 and remember what Naomi said when she finally returned back to Bethlehem. This is what she said. I went away full and the Lord has brought me back empty. You remember in chapter 1, Naomi lost everything. She lost her home. She lost her country. She lost her family and all hope for a better future. She and Ruth returned to Bethlehem destitute with no means of support, destined as two widows to perpetual poverty. Naomi was an older woman. She could not work hard. She was not able to ever bear a son again who could support her. She was truly a woman who was empty with nothing worthy to give. And because of that, she becomes a spiritual picture of us. First uh, Peter 1.18 says about us, we, inha- we have inherited an empty way of life from our ancestors. I want you to think about your family for just a moment. All of us here can go back to a time in our family history when our relatives lived in sin, disobeying God. And all of us know that from those relatives we received a very selfish, earth-centered life that was absolutely void of any eternal hope for the future. And apart from the grace of God in our lives, we would continue in that empty, meaningless life. See, Naomi and Ruth are a picture of you and me and why we need redemption. Notice thirdly in this picture, the Bible teaches us that we're beggars. We're beggars. Look at verse 2 of chapter 2. And notice what the Bible says. And Ruth, the Moabite, said to Naomi, Let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him in whose sight I shall find favor. Now what we discover here is that Ruth and Naomi were reduced to begging. Only the poorest of the poor would glean like this in the fields of folks who owned those fields and had servants working there. Uh, You may remember when we looked at this chapter a few weeks ago that I put up this famous painting by the French painter Millet called The Gleaners. Look again at what he depicts. Here they are. 
They are the poorest of the poor, separated from the rest of the harvesters, scrapping around in the dirt for whatever scraps of grain they could find. In fact, you see how the painter has made it so vivid. Behind them are the harvesters who have big bundles of grain. And here they are in front, scrapping, begging, trying to find pieces to feed their hungry bellies. The Bible says about us that this is what we are like spiritually. When Jesus said in Matthew 5, 3, Blessed are the poor in spirit, the word that he used there is the word for beggars. Literally what Jesus was saying is, Blessed are those who know naturally in and of themselves they are spiritual beggars. You know what's true of beggars. Beggars can only receive. Beggars cannot give. And what God is saying to us is this. We have nothing to offer to him. We have no goodness of our own that would ever merit his favor or his acceptance. When I was a boy, uh, my pastor was witnessing to uh, a man who said that he was not good enough to come to church. He said, uh, what I want to do is before I come to church, I want to clean up my life. And then I will start to come to church. Let me ask you a question. How clean do you have to be before God will accept you? You know what the Bible says? You have to be perfectly clean. In fact, the Bible says one sin disqualifies us. Uh, James 2.10 says this, Whoever offends the law in one point is guilty of offending it all. Who of us can scrub ourselves perfectly clean? Not one of us. In fact, you want to know what? If that man tried to clean up his life before he came to the Lord, he would still be scrubbing, wouldn't he? Of course he would. And our pastor told him, you cannot clean yourself up. Only Jesus can do that. Isn't that good news this morning? That is good news this morning. I want to ask you a question. Are you trying to clean yourself up? You cannot do it. We need a Redeemer. In ourselves, we are aliens, we are empty, and we are beggars, and that's why we need a Redeemer. Let's move to the second question this morning. Because in this story of Christ in the book of Ruth, the second question is Redeemer. Who is qualified to be this Redeemer? Now, in the Old Testament, for a Goel to be a redeemer of their family, they had to meet three requirements. Number one, they had to be related. Number two, they had to be able to make the price. And number three, they had to be willing. What is wonderful is that we see in this book that Jesus is just like Boaz. 
he met all three requirements. Uh, Let's look at them, shall we? Notice, Jesus is related. Uh, Drop back to chapter 2 and now notice verse 20 of Ruth chapter 2. And notice what happened after Ruth came back after after meeting Boaz. Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, May he be blessed by the Lord, whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. Naomi also said to her, The man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. Now Ruth was ecstatic, Naomi was ecstatic when she learned that Boaz was a relative because what that meant was he could redeem her property. Did you know that in the Old Testament there are two Hebrew words for redeem? One of those words means anyone can redeem. But the word goel means kinsman redeemer. And it means only somebody who is related can redeem the property to keep it in the family. And 22 times in our Bibles that word appears in Ruth. Now you know what the Bible says. For Jesus to redeem us, he had to become one of us. And the Bible says about Jesus in John 1.14 that he became flesh and dwelt amongst us. Only a human could pay for human sin. Jesus was related. Secondly, Jesus met this uh, requirement in that he paid the purchase price of sin. Now we know that Boaz was a wealthy wealthy landowner. He had the means to redeem Naomi's land. We also know that he was single or perhaps had been widowed. So he was able to marry Ruth and raise up an heir for Naomi. Now look at chapter 4 and notice verses 9 and 10 how Boaz did both. Look what they say. Then Boaz said to the elders and all the people, You are witnesses this day that, number one, I have bought from the hand of Naomi all that belonged to Eliminach and all that belonged to Kilion and to Malon. And now notice number two. Also Ruth the Moabite, the widow of Malone, I have bought or I have acquired to be my wife. You see, he purchased the land, and he also acquired the right to marry Ruth. I want you to turn with me in your Bibles for just a moment to 1 Peter chapter 1. And I want you to notice what Jesus did for us. How he also purchased us by paying a price. Look at 1 Peter chapter 1. And notice that we had to be redeemed. Look what he says in verse 18. Knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or without spot. 
Notice these verses are telling us that we needed to be ransomed, purchased with blood. The Bible says about us that the wages of our sin is death. That is talking about eternal death in the lake of fire. Now only an eternal God could offer an eternal payment through his death that could pay an infinite price for the sins of all mankind. But did you notice that the Bible says in verse 19 that Jesus was a redeemer without blemish or without spot. Only sinless blood could pay for sinners. And Jesus paid that price. Well, now notice the third requirement. The third requirement is the redeemer had to be willing And Jesus was willing. Go back again to the book of Ruth. Remember the nearer relative who was ahead of Boaz in the family line? When he was given the opportunity, he said, I cannot. Which probably means I will not. Twice, twice Boaz said, I will Look at chapter 3 and verse 11. And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do all that you ask. Drop down to verse 13. Remain tonight and in the land, if he will, in the morning, if he will redeem you good, let him do it. But if he is not willing to redeem you, then as the Lord lives, I will redeem you. You see, Boaz was willing. Boaz was willing. The closer redeemer was not willing to pay the price. But Boaz said, I will pay the price. The price doesn't matter to me because of my love for these two widows in need. You know what Jesus said in John 10 and verse 18? He said, no one takes my life from me. I am not a victim of circumstance. Rather, he said, I lay my life down willingly of my own accord. I lay it down again, and I have authority to take it up again. Jesus willingly paid the price for you and me. George Sweeting told a story about some tornadoes that raged through Pennsylvania and Ohio. And in those storms, there were about a hundred people who lost their lives. Before the storm came, there was a man by the name of David Koska. He was umpiring a little league uh, baseball game. And when he looked up, and saw the black funnel coming towards that baseball field. He immediately ran into the stands, and he grabbed his little niece. He ran over to where there was a ditch, and he threw her in the ditch, and threw his body over her and covered her. The tornado struck, and then it passed. And when his niece looked up, her uncle was gone. 
her uncle was gone. He gave his life for her. Now that is a wonderful illustration of Jesus, our Redeemer. It's a wonderful illustration. Like the uncle was a relative of his niece, so Jesus became one of us. Like Uncle David gave his life for his niece, so Jesus paid the price by giving his life for us. Like Uncle David, without hesitation, threw himself over his little girl that he loved as a child of his own brother or sister, and without hesitation willingly saved her. So Jesus, without hesitation, willingly, gave his life so that he might be our Redeemer. What a wonderful story this is. And this story is fulfilled in Christ. Now there is a third question that the book of Ruth answers. And the third question is this, redeemed. What happens when we experience it? When a person is redeemed, what occurs in their life? And here we have to come back to the story and say, spiritually, believers are like Naomi. Now, Naomi and Ruth had two requirements if they were going to experience redemption by Boaz. First is, they had to be willing to be redeemed by grace. Do you know three times in chapter 2, the word favor which is the Old Testament word for grace, occurs. In fact, go back to chapter 2 and look with me at verse 13 and notice the third occurrence of this word in that chapter and notice what Ruth says, I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord. That was the first requirement for them. They had to receive redeeming grace by grace And we do too. We do too. The man I told you was trying to clean up his own life before he thought he could be accepted by the Lord. He finally understood grace. He finally understood grace. He understood that he could not earn his redemption by anything he did. He had to receive it freely by grace. Second requirement for Ruth and Naomi. They had to ask to be redeemed by faith. Uh, Go back to verse 3 and notice again what Ruth said, chapter 3, verse 9. And notice what she said when she finally met Boaz, notice what she asked him to do in chapter 3, and notice with me verse 9. He said to her, Who are you? And she answered, I am Ruth, your servant. Spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer. That expression, spread your wings over your servant, is a request for marriage. To redeem these two widows. What Ruth was saying is, I'm totally dependent. 
She was absolutely dependent upon Boaz. All she could do was ask. And it took faith and courage to believe that Boaz would be willing. What does the Bible say to us? It is by grace that you are saved through faith and that not of yourselves. We have to receive it by grace and then we have to ask for it by faith. The same two requirements here are the requirements for you and me to be redeemed by Jesus. Now what happens? What happens when by grace, through faith, we take him as our redeemer? Well, let's notice how wonderful this is. Our debt is paid. Our debt is paid. In verse 9 of chapter 4, when, when Boaz said, I, I have bought all the property that belongs to Naomi, what happened was the land returned to her. And she would now no longer be in debt to another buyer. Her debt was gone. And I love what the Bible says about us in Ephesians 1.7. The Bible says when Jesus redeems us, we receive the forgiveness of sins. We have no more eternal debt to God. We are set free from the penalty of sin. Many times I will talk to people and I will say, how many of your sins were future when Jesus died 2,000 years ago? They may scratch their heads for a moment, and they will come up with the answer. Well, all my sins were future. How many of your sins then were paid for by Jesus when he died on the cross? And the answer is all of them. Therefore, how many of your sins have been forgiven? All of them. Past, present, and future. And as far as eternal judgment goes, our debt has been paid. Secondly, we have a new life. You know what happened in the story? A child was born to Boaz and Ruth. And that child was named Obed, which means a servant. He was adopted by Naomi so that he became her child as well as Ruth's child. Now notice what the Bible says about him in verse 15 of Ruth chapter 4. He shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. What a wonderful word that is. Restore of life literally means the child would keep the family from extinction for many, many generations. And you know, the family line was kept alive all the way down to their greatest descendant, Jesus, who was born 1,100 years after this birth. This child truly was a restorer of life. You know what Galatians 3 verses 13 and 14 says about those of us who are redeemed? It says we receive the promised Holy Spirit and He comes into our life and he brings to us divine life 
which the Bible says will last forever. Now notice thirdly what happens. Our inheritance is secure. Look back at verse 6 and and notice what the town said in chapter 4 about this child that was born. Chapter 4 and verse 14. Then the women said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a Redeemer. And may his name be renowned in Israel. Because this child was born and now successive generations would be born, their property was secured for generations to come because of the heirs that would be born. Now would you turn with me in your Bibles to Galatians chapter 4? And I want you to notice what we have in terms of an inheritance because Jesus has become our Redeemer. Galatians chapter 4, and let's start at verse 4. And notice how this wonderful story provides for us. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, born in the family line of Naomi, Ruth, and Boaz. And now notice the reason. To redeem, to be the Goel, to be our kinsman redeemer, those who are under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through Jesus Christ. Because Jesus has redeemed us, we are heirs of heaven forever. Forever. It is a little early this morning. And there's a little sleep in your eyes. Our debt has been paid. We have a new life. And our inheritance in heaven is secure forever. That's redemption. That's redemption. No wonder J. Vernon McGee called Ruth the romance of redemption. Back in the late 1800s, there was a very famous pastor in Boston by the name of A.J. Gordon. A.J. Gordon founded Gordon College, which is a thriving Christian college to this very day. Uh, One day, Pastor Gordon was coming to the church during the week, and he saw a little boy. And this little boy had a rusty birdcage with several birds on the inside. 
And he said to the boy, where'd you get those birds? And the boy said, well, I I trapped them out in the field and put them in this cage that I found. Pastor Gordon said to him, "Uh, what are you going to do with those birds? The little boy said, well, I think I'm going to play with them for a while. And then I think I'm going to feed them to the old cat that we have at home. And Pastor Gordon said to him, I'd like to buy those birds. That little boy said, Sir, you don't want to buy these birds. They're just old birds. They're not worth very much. And they can't sing hardly at all. But Pastor Gordon said to him, I'll give you $2 for the cage and the birds, which in the late 1800s was a lot of money. Boy said, okay, it's a bad deal. You can make the bargain if you want. So Pastor Gordon gave him the $2. The little boy went skipping on his way. I really took him. Pastor Gordon took that cage with those birds. He went back behind the church. He opened that rusty door. And those birds soared into the blue. That Sunday, he brought that cage to church. He set it before his congregation. And he explained what Jesus has done for us. We're like those worthless birds. Very little value. We're in a cage of our own sinful bondage. But Jesus came from heaven and became one of us. Willingly, he went to the cross and offered an eternal sacrifice through the blood of his death. And he made the purchase price for us. And now if we will turn to him because of his grace and in saving faith trust him, he will open the cage. Set us free from the penalty of sin. Pastor Gordon said, those birds that that little boy said couldn't sing very much. He said they were not songsters. He said when I opened that cage and they flew out heavenward, It was as though they were singing, redeemed, redeemed, redeemed. That's the way you and I are if we know Jesus. My debt has been paid. My new life has begun. My inheritance is waiting. Redeemed, redeemed, redeemed. Let's bow our hearts together this morning. I've asked you this morning as we went through the story of Christ in the book of Ruth that you would ask the question, have I been redeemed? Have I been redeemed? In just a moment, Pastor Hank is coming to lead us around the table of the Lord. And we're going to remember what Jesus has done for us. 
And if you're not sure that he has redeemed your life and brought you the wonderful blessings of his grace and his death on your behalf, today, right where you're sitting, you can turn to him. You can trust him. He will save you. And you can have an experience all that he died to give you. Please turn to him even this day that he might redeem you. Gracious Lord, thank you now for this time around your wonderful table. Encourage our hearts by what it means to be your people. For Jesus' sake, amen.